0: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. 15, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. And the kick is blocked! The college football world! What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the 2019 college football season betting preview part eight. We're talking group of five tonight. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. This podcast is going to be loaded. You ready to roll, buddy?
1: This is where we get to talk about Texas State. This is where we got to talk about UAB last year. This is where we get to talk about where the money's really made in college football, these group of five teams. Yep. Little change of schedule for
0: those that listen to some of the previous podcasts. We're not going to cover the Independence. I know you, you Notre Dame fans, you BYU fans always uh, ask me, when are you going to cover us? Independence, we're going to do next week. So this episode's coming out on Monday morning. The next episode is going to be a week zero preview. There's only two games, but we'll cover them in depth. We'll recap our favorite win totals. You know, I think we'll have a guest, and then we'll talk about the six independent schools tonight. We're talking about the sixty group of five teams. I'm going. Colin and I will <laughs> mention all sixty teams. We're going to try and do it in an hour. Uh, we spent, I don't know, all summer in the last couple of days just preparing notes for this. Uh, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm feeling fresh. I'm ready to go. The calm before the storm is over. I went to Costa Rica. You know, I went zip zip lining in the rainforest, snorkeling. Uh, it was amazing.
1: I'm fresh. You're fresh back from vacation as well. How was your trip? Yeah, Oregon was great. I took my uh, two sons uh, up to the Pacific Northwest, uh, got away from the heat here in Oklahoma. We skied on at Mount Hood in August. We skied down a black with snow in the middle of August. It was amazing and completely refreshed. I am I'm jacked and ready to go. No sleep until after March Madness coming up.
0: We have a lot to get to. Get your pen, your paper, your laptop, whatever, get it out, because we're going to cover a lot in a little amount of time. Let's start with the Conference USA, 14 teams, two divisions. I mean, this conference, by the way, is miserable, and it was miserable last year. It could be even worse this year, um, but let's start in the West. The question going into it is, can anyone beat North Texas? Mason Fine, a quarterback pro pop- prospect, is back. You know, they're plus 450 to win the conference They do host UAB, who's one of the challengers there. You know, Tyler Johnson will be back at quarterback, although they did lose a ton. And they have a solid running back's back, though, led by Spencer Brown. The question I have with UAB, though, is they lost four offensive linemen. Their schedule is favorable, though. I'm actually eyeing potentially Southern Miss to give North Texas some problems. What are your thoughts on the West, the top of the West? You know, the North Texas, UAB, Southern Miss, maybe La Tech? Because we'll get to UTSA, Rice, and Utep, who are at the bottom. So, what are your thoughts on the top of the West?
1: Yeah, UAB is our darling. We, uh, you know, cashed a big ticket on them last year. That's great. That was last year. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to really fade them. I know there's a lot of people out there that say UAB lose a ton, but you're going to be fading a really good quarterback that a lot of people don't know about in Tyler Johnson. And you're going to be fading uh, what I think is probably the best coach in the entire conference in Bill Clark. So, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, so, unfortunately, there's not going to be any money on the Blazers uh, either way for me. Uh, in the preseason. But, you know, the bottom of this is just atrocious. Rice, UTEP, UTSA, laughable. Now, I think, you know, Southern Miss, North Texas, and LaTex is the question. Who's going to win the West out of this? In my opinion, the schedule is favorable towards LaTex. Most of these teams have to come through Shreveport. They lose a lot in the front seven. Uh, But, uh, you know, like I said, they have a stellar secondary. Uh, Already got a play on them on the Action app. If you guys haven't downloaded it and checked it out or, or gave Stuck and I a follow, Already on LaTeX, uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, they got a quarterback you know, and a wide receiver connection. Uh, it's extremely explosive. Uh, uh, Jamar Smith is their quarterback, and Adrian Hardy, uh, it's going to be their go-to connection. And I just like the fact that everybody has to come through Shreveport. Uh, their road trips uh, include UTEP, UAB, and Rice. I mean, that's that's pretty good for Skip Holtz. Now, Skip Holtz has never won this conference at all. He, he's made two trips to the conference championship game, still hasn't pulled it off. I don't want to say he owns Seth Luttrell at North Texas. Uh, You know, he's three and one straight up and against the spread against him. Uh, But, you know, I mean, he does have an advantage as far as coaching goes. And the one thing about North Texas that bugs me, Stuck, is that whole thing that happened with Luttrell and Kansas State at the end of last year. His attention was diverted from North Texas at the end of the season, which was benefit to us with UAB. But his attention wasn't there. His team was not prepared going into a bowl game. He didn't care. He had his eyes on Kansas State. He decided not to take the Kansas State job because there was going to be a Snyder on staff that he didn't want to have on staff. So then he decided, I guess I'll we'll come back to North Texas, do another year with Mason Fine, and maybe we'll see what's out on the open market the next season. So my problem with North Texas is, is where is Seth Trails mid-November? I like LaTex here. Do you trust Bob Diaco, new defensive coordinator? <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. The, two, the 2012 Broyles
0: award-winning
1: Bob Diaco? Of course.
0: Um, look, I'm actually... Going to back Southern Miss. Um, I actually have two bets, one in the East. I, I'm not backing North Texas either. Uh, and just to let everyone know, North Texas' win total 7.5. Kyle makes it 8.4, but no play, as you just described. No play on UAB win total. Southern Miss, no play on the win total for me either. But I'm going to be playing their, them to win Conference USA at plus 800. Look, their D is legit. They're one of the best defenses in the country. They're the fewest first downs allowed. They bring 15 starters back. They were 6-5 and five last year, but they lost – Three games by a field goal or less, and they led the nation in completion percentage. The one thing I'm worried about is, you know, they open with Alcorn State, which is a win. Then they go to Mississippi State, that's a loss. Uh, but then they're at Troy, and Troy's off a bye. Southern Miss is at, going there after Mississippi State, and then the week after Southern Miss is at Bama. So I mean, that's brutal, and that that Troy game is such a sandwich. And Troy's off a bye. That's why I can't really play their win total, um, but. I really like this team. I think they're due for some positive regression. Um, so I'm going to be backing them to win Conference USA. Um, and Colin is going with La Tech. Um, and I think the difference there, Colin, you said, you know, you, you like Southern Miss, too. But Southern Miss goes to La Tech. And that was one of the deciding factors for you, right?
1: It was the deciding factor for me. Uh, you know, it, plus Southern Miss with that schedule they have at the beginning with Mississippi State. And Alabama and Troy kind of sandwiched in between. Even before they get to UTEP on September twenty eighth, is depth gonna be an issue? Is injury gonna be an issue? Because they're gonna get their brains pounded in by Mississippi State and Alabama. So, you know, as far as the West goes, that was really kind of a deciding factor. All right, let's talk about the bottom of the West. Uh we
0: have to talk UTSA. Look. Their win totals over two and a half, minus 185, which is outrageous to me. <laughs> it looks like Frank Harris has taken over the quarterback race. He graduated high school in 2017. got hurt towards ACL in high school. was hurt last year. This team's a mess. You make their total 1.6, <laughs> and you can get uh, two and a half, maybe three, but two and a half plus big money. So you like the under there, right, with me, me,
1: Yeah, everything is falling off the table here. I'm going to take under two and a half here with UTSA. I I don't know where the second win is questionable. The third win, I I wouldn't even be able to tell you. So they're playing Incarnate Word. You know, there are some FCS lines starting to drop, although I haven't seen this one. This one should be around a two-point game, maybe a one-point game. Incarnate Word is not bad as a football team at their level. Uh, So even if UTSA is able to get past that, they have to go to UTEP. Uh, They have to, you know, they get a game against Rice. It's a coin flip in the middle. Uh, so just assume that they were able to beat rice and they go to utep and they win that game and they beat incarnate word there's nothing left on the schedule whatsoever they can't beat la tech they can't beat southern miss they can't beat north texas it's, it's just too much on the schedule
0: uh yep and then the other you know we have, we have we'll get the utep last in the west rice their win totals two and a half under two and a half minus 190 you make it two and a half i'm actually looking at this under this schedule is vicious for rice by the way Rice, I'll be looking at their over next year, 2020. They're going to bring almost everyone back besides their quarterback. Their quarterback this year is Tom Stewart, who comes in from Harvard. Not sure that's going to really work out. Uh, this team's still really young, but I mean, they they go to Army, then they play Wake, then Texas, then Baylor, then La Tech, then at UAB. <laughs> I mean, this schedule is v- one of the hardest schedules I've ever seen for a Conference USA bottom feeder. Um, they're at UTEP. You know, their winnable games are really on the road at UTEP and at UTSA. That's really it where else are they winning marshall southern miss at
1: home north texas i don't at right. mtsu i mean i don't see this there, team getting the three wins there's no prairie view a&m on the schedule either right so we can't have any skinny wins against that now they did get a huge massive bump in returning production but i'm not i'm not sure that's a great thing because bloomkring runs this offense it's just slow and and bruising and i'm just not sure that style is going to work or at least it's not going to turn things around as fast as rice fans and rice betters want it wanted to
0: yep uh, and then we obviously have to talk about UTEP for all of our fans in El Paso uh, or El Paso. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. This was a huge under last year. <laughs> we loved the under and we got grief for it. And people called in and talked shit from El Paso, El Paso. And uh, it obviously hit with ease. We wanted to bet the over this year. They have a schedule that's pretty – I have them as the worst team in the nation right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, and But I still was possibly thinking about betting them over. We, you know, they have Houston Baptist at home, UTSA when. at home, um, Charlotte at home, Rice at home. There's all these winnable games. And I remember we were sitting in Vegas looking at their schedule. The day after the national championship last year, because we're nerds. <laughs> we wanted to bet the over, but this is a sharp number at three, like over three flat. You make it 2-9. We can't bet UTEP. We won't have any hot takes on UTEP. It sucks. So more on them to come. But let's get to the east in Conference USA, which is completely wide open. Just throw a dart if you want, uh, besides anyone but ODU and Charlotte and Western Kentucky. But look, at, if you look at some of the odds, it looks like Marshall or FIU, are your two favorites. And then maybe FAU. You know, Marshall has, you know, an experienced offense, solid offensive line. Isaiah Green comes back at quarterback. And they might have the best trenches uh, in the conference, really, on offense and defense. Their win total is seven and a half. FAU, uh, their win total is seven and a half as well. And same with FAU. So you can see how close these teams are. FAU, you know, they did lose Singletary and White. They're two bats who were both in the NFL now. They ran for over 2,000 yards. They were going to get Francois, the quarterback from Florida State, but he transferred to Florida A&M. They have this, you know, highly touted left tackle, Ashley from Auburn, who ended up transferring as well. So it really comes down to, you know, how well can Robeson, their quarterback, perform this year? But their D and special teams were hard. Uh, They do have a good schedule, and you make it 8.3, but you're not betting the over there. And then FIU, I think we're both high on, you know, James Morgan, quarterback, had a great year last year. He's back, and then outstanding middle linebacker, probably the best defender in the conference in Sage-Lewis. They're the heads of the offense and defense, and there's eight starters back on both. You know, and then they have their their running back. Their best running back is back healthy. Good bowl season. He got shot last year. So I love this FIU team. Look, they start at Tulane. If they win that game, there's a potential they start 10-0 and then go into a bye before they play Miami in Marlins Park. So FIU is the other team I have to win this conference
1: along with Southern Miss. What are your thoughts on the top of the East with Marshall, FIU, and FAU? But will the Dolphin be, will the Dolphin sign in Marlins Park be turned on? Will that thing be going off in the middle of the FIU uh, Miami ball game? That's the big question. So I think one team that we can kick out as you don't have a shot in the East to win the division is Middle Tennessee for me. I got them on, you know, under five and a half. Uh, this was a, a pretty early and a larger investment for me, not just because, you know, the, the stock still connection is gone. Uh, you know, Brent and Rick are being split up after the quarterback has been there taking snaps since. 2014. Uh So this is the first time he's going to coach, you know, without his son, uh you know, since, you know, for a large period since 2014 and yeah, 122nd in overall returning production. But in the, in the days that they has, he's not had his son as a quarterback, he doesn't know what to do with the offense, or at least they've never, they haven't covered the spread. They've taken some serious losses. Uh They have just one wide receiver with more than 16 targets. And that's a tie league. Uh, the defense was six and sack rate and they lose 50% of their team havoc in the front seven. 50% of their havoc is gone. Uh, so, that, you know, I don't expect them to be sacking anybody. Three of their first four games coming against Michigan, Duke, Iowa, zero shot, not winning those games. And they don't have the depth to get through if they have any injuries. They start off conference play against the heavies, Marshall, FAU, North Texas, FIU. I mean, this is not the way you want to start off conference play, especially after you play Michigan, Duke, and Iowa. So, I mean, it's just kind of a murderer's row for schedules. Uh, they could sweep November and it won't even matter. I know the November schedule is easy, but they could sweep it and it won't matter. So I got under five and a half on Middle Tennessee. Yep. And you agree with me that FIU is who you like to get out of the East and you played in the conference as well? Shop for the best number. If you're looking in Jersey shops, you're seeing it about, and I don't know if this is a regional thing. I mean, it's a really good point to bring out, but I've seen Florida International at plus at 350. But out at the Westgate, they have FIU at eight to one to win the conference, which that I, I can't wait to get my hands on. But Butch Davis has done nothing but fast track the Panthers since he took them over as a four and eight team. They had eight wins in 2017. They had nine and four last year. Uh, you're right about James Morgan. He's a great quarterback. Uh, you know, they're 26 in returning production this year. And odds makers can't keep up with FIU. They went 10 and three against the spread last year. And Butch Davis is now. against the spread at home as an underdog. Now, I wrote a piece about this. I wrote a a piece on the Action Network that you should go check out. I'm going to retweet them out here before play starts off about some of my favorite pieces that I wrote over the summer. But there was, why does explosiveness line your wallet with cash? And FIU is the poster child for this. So both sides of the ball were tops in ISO PPP last year. The defense had a 1.07 rating. The offense had a 1.33 rating. What does that mean? The offense is a quick strike. They can get the ball down the field. They can have 30-yard plays. James Morgan is a big part of that, the quarterback. Uh, Captain Morgan, as they like to call him down there. You know, if Mason Fine wasn't in the conference, this would be the best quarterback in the conference. Defensively, a 1.07 rating, nobody was getting anything deep on FIU. That translates into and against the spread record, and they are just the poster child for that. Uh, you know, they have with 26th and returning production, and everybody back on both sides of the ball. I expect them to still be an explosive offense. And I expect their defense to be able to keep other teams from having explosive plays that, you know, to me, eight to one, I'll take it all day. So I think you need to look at the FIU schedule, too. Some people look at it and they think it's tricky because they do supply some of the big teams on both divisions. But there's hidden bye weeks on the schedule. I mean, you have to remember, some of these teams are pretty bad in their schedule. So, you know, it kind of serves as a bye week. The Panthers have to play. New Hampshire before they go travel to Louisiana Tech. They play Old Dominion before they travel to Florida Atlantic. So even though they play some of the bigger boys in the conference, they got a couple of scheduling advantages with who they've sandwiched in between.
0: I agree with you there. The FIU love and will be strong on this podcast all season. So get used to it. Uh, to close out the East, Old Dominion win total four. You make it four. All you got to know is they lost to everyone. I mean, they lost as much as everyone in the country. They just have a couple easy home games. Charlotte. Over four and a half plus one ten, you make it four point nine, and that's really just because of their schedule. Their schedule is a joke. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a new head coach. They have new schemes on both sides of the ball. They're going from a pro style to a spread option. They're moving to a four two five on D. The spread option it could work because they have Benny LeMay is a great running back. But they're gonna there are a lot of change on both sides of the ball with Charlotte uh, and then Western Kentucky. More change there as well. Uh, Tyson Helton is the new head coach, the sixth head coach in six years at Western Kentucky. Clay Helton's brother. But maybe he'll be a good fade as well. And
1: uh, the quarterback at Western Kentucky is probably going to be Ty Story, who you know yes. about. Uh, any thoughts on Western Kentucky? I love Ty Story. I always did love Ty Story. Uh, you know, he was a commit to Arkansas. Uh, he tried to run – Arkansas fans, people that watched Arkansas football, all like 17 of us last year, we love Ty Story uh, over anybody else that was getting behind center. Uh, they threw uh, any quarterback they could. Even Jerry Jones's grandson was back there taking snaps for Arkansas. And we love Ty Story the most, and he kind of got run off the program. And Chad Morris, you know, kind of made it clear that you're probably never going to take a snap again. So he's at Western Kentucky. They play Arkansas on November 9th. So, uh, you know, Arkansas will be deep into the SEC schedule by then, but Ty Story is going to come to town looking for some redemption. So that's one I've got circled. Fair enough. All right, let's
0: move on and keep this rolling. Let's move on to the American Athletic, the AAC. a couple of interesting quarterback transfers in this conference: Tulsa, SMU, UCF, UConn, to name a few. Uh, Memphis and UCF are favored to win this conference. They're both at about two plus two fifty at Westgate. Let's start in the West, uh, where Memphis is the favorite. Houston is the second favorite. Houston, you know, they have one of the most explosive quarterbacks. In the country, and Derek King, uh, a great receiver, and Stevenson as well, who's explosive. They did lose their offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles, Dana Holgerson comes in as well. He knows a lot about explosive offenses. Uh, their win total is seven and a half, plus four fifty to win the AC. You make this five point seven. So obviously, you're betting the under. I was shocked yeah. to see that you're this low in Houston. While Memphis, you know, their win total is nine and a half. You make it ten point eight. You bet Memphis to win the conference. Uh, they have, you know, they obviously lost their star running back, Daryl Henderson, but they got all the wide receivers back, Brady White's back, quarterback. They do have new coordinators, but their schedule is cake. I mean, they're especially their first nine games. They could be, they could start off nine, and know, easily. And then from there, I don't really see Tulane, SMU, Navy, or Tulsa. I don't think anyone can threaten to win the West. So why so low in Houston?
1: Well, first 11 games. All right. Cause uh, game 10 is Houston and game 11 is South Florida for Memphis. So. Uh, I would say that, you know, leading up to Cincinnati, it's going to be a pretty good schedule. But let's talk about Houston real quick. So, yeah, under seven, I've got them. You know, I've got their win total even below six. Uh, this is one of the first plays that I made uh, when Dana Holgerson. You could see the evolution of this defensive line in the middle of last season. Ed Oliver was on the team. Uh, they had another defensive lineman that was extremely good. They were creating havoc, and and that's all that was going on in Houston for years uh, was the story was the defensive line and, and, and how much they could at least keep Applewhite employed. Kendall Browse was there on as the offensive coordinator last year. It showed in De'Ara King's stats. He had 50 total TDs. If you did a blind resume poll of Lamar Jackson the year that he won the Heisman Trophy versus De'Ara King and what he did last year at Houston, through only 10 games, only 10 games, there's not that much dispar- you know disparity between those two stat totals. So De'Ara King, You know, he's losing Kendall Browse, which worries me a little bit. But at the same time, he's got every single weapon returning on offense. And that's really what's going on with Houston. The reason why I like the under is they're going to be a explosive offensive team. They can't play a lick of defense. The secondary got blown away. The defensive line is terrible. If you want to find out how bad this defensive line is, go to YouTube. Go look up Army Houston Bowl game and find out just how bad this Houston defense is going to be this year. The problem is, is Houston plays a bunch of explosive offenses. If Houston just had a mid-pack schedule, then I wouldn't be so down on them. But listen to the offenses they're going to play. Oklahoma, Washington State, Memphis, North Texas, Central Florida. These are teams that are going to be able to score whenever they want against this Houston defense. I think 5.7 is the correct projection for these guys. I don't think it's going to be that easy for Dana Holgerson. Now, on the flip side of that, some people may have noticed that I took De'Ara King to win the Heisman. So there's a Heisman, you know, article out there you guys can go read about who I really think is going to win and where my real investment is. But I have some shedded a little bit of money on De'Aaron King at 200 to 1 odds, earlier way earlier this year uh, to win the Heisman and the reason is because of the defense. The more the defense gets run off the field and the other team scores, De'Aaron King's going to have a whole bunch more snaps. So that stat that blind resume I set up against Lamar Jackson, let's see what it looks like after, you know, De'Aaron King has more snaps this year than he had last year.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I agree with you that I think Memphis is the is going to get through the West, but you don't have any other win totals in the West, but there's these the four other teams in the West do intrigue me. I'm trying to figure out which one is really going to take that next step. You know, Tulsa has Zach yeah. Smith, the Baylor transfer at quarterback. Navy, you know, I, I don't think they can get there. Their defense is just not good enough. Malcolm Perry's back at quarterback, they have a tough schedule. They have a new defensive coordinator, Newberry, who's switching to a 4 2 5, which will hopefully, or they're hoping, can help solve some of their defensive woes. The most interesting thing about Navy to me is Billy Ray Stutzman. You, you might not know that name, young kid from Hawaii. He's an offensive assistant. They're going to be implementing some run and shoot, which which Hawaii runs. And, you know, you can run some of the run and shoot and the option of the same formations. So, Ken uh, Numa Tololo, I, I feel that was like good. I butchered it. He, uh, he wants to improve their passing game. Obviously, their passing game was atrocious last year. So, Billy Ray Stutzman, they're gonna, you might see some run and shoot at Navy. Is it going to be Malcolm Perry, though, two years ago, and then he disappeared last year? Yeah, apparently it's going to be Malcolm Perry, but who knows? They might move him back. to running back. You never really know with Navy. But, you know, Tulsa, and Nate, I'll let you speak to Tulsa in their, your backyard. But the two teams that I think could take that next step if things go right are either SMU or Tulane. So, SMU, I don't want to play their win total because I think if I like them enough, I might play them plus three week one at Arc State. But – you Know they have the Texas transfer, Shane Bouchel at quarterback. They have two solid receivers. I love Prochet. This is a second year of Sonny Dykes in his system. Sonny f-ing Dykes, you are a f-ing and then on defense, they have 10 of their top 11 tacklers back. So there's a lot to like about the ponies if everything goes right and the quarterback play uh goes how they are expecting, uh, with Dykes there in his second year, and then Tulane. They have a new offensive coordinator, Will Hall, who's going to play some hall ball. And they might go more no huddle, more fast pace. They're going to pass more. They passed more last year. They've been traditionally an option team. And, you know, McMillan, Justin McMillan, an LSU transfer, he's back at quarterback. It's actually his fifth offensive coordinator in five years, which could be a problem. But I think their D could be solid. They have solid, really solid skill position players. And they actually had a huge transfer from McCleskey, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. He is a hell of a player. And I think one only one of the reasons that he went there uh, is because his dad, a former pro, he's a coach there. So, you know, they have some potential at, at Tulane. Do you, do you have any thoughts on either SMU or Tulane, or do you
1: want to speak to Tulsa in your backyard? I'll speak to Tulsa, yeah. They're a couple miles down the street from, from the house here. And I think what's, what was holding them back for a bunch of years was uh, they had their defensive coordinator, uh, Bill Young, who was I think been coaching since the early sixties. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, he, he has been around a long time. Uh, he has retired. Uh, so Phil Montgomery was uh, Phil Montgomery is the old uh, offensive coordinator in the Baylor days when Robert Griffin, the third was there. So he was considered a quarterback whisperer, but it just has not turned out at Tulsa the way uh, that a lot of people up here thought it would last year's linebacker coach, Joseph Gillespie. He is now the new defensive coordinator. I think they knew that Bill Young was going to retire I think they knew that he was on his way out the door because last year they started to install a three-three-five, which is not the easiest thing to go to. But the second year of the 3 and they rank in the top 20 defensively in returning production. So I expect Tulsa to get to five wins. Uh, you can get the over, I think, at plus money on the four and a half if you shop around. Uh, but, you know, I, they can flirt with bowl eligibility. It just depends on how far that, that defense can carry them. Because, you know, we saw last year what the offense could do. You know, I mean, everything from Seth Boomer to Luke Skipper, Zach Smith is there. I mean, it the offense is is, is a little shaky to me. But I think defense actually has a, has a, a bit of improvement. I, I think they could jump up in the top 75. So there's your Tulsa report. We'll have
0: more on them throughout the year. So let's move on to the east. So just to sum up the west, Collins on the under on Houston and Memphis to win the conference. Uh, I'll have my futures piece out in favor of win totals next week. I'm still deciding on what I want to do in the West. Uh, in the East, we have. I know we're going to have some hot takes here. The UCF crowd, the Orlando crowd, who's <laughs> itching to get in the voicemails for Colin. Your win total is nine. Colin makes it eight point one. Uh, UCF's won eighteen straight conference games. Their offensive line is going to be solid, protecting. Looks like Brandon Winbush, another uh, quarterback transfer from Notre Dame, who will be under center. They're plus two fifty, like Memphis, to win the conference. So obviously, oddsmakers think it's going to be UCF, Memphis, in the AAC championship. There are a couple other interesting teams, obviously ECU and UConn are at the bottom. Although Colin might tell you something different about ECU, we'll get to that. But Temple, it's really interesting. Temple's had I'm not a seven head coaches in the last eight months, um, but Rod Carey comes over <laughs> from Northern Illinois. They're an interesting team. So they have these head coach change, but they have a great offensive line, and then Anthony Russo, I like a quarterback. A solid D, and they host both Memphis and UCF. Their win total is six and a half. You make it 8.2. I'll let you speak to that in a second after I get to Cincy, who I do want to say, since yeah, like, he has a very solid team, win total is seven and a half. You only make it 6.9. They do have an excellent punter. I got to get some special teams in here. And James Smith, by the way, in Cincinnati, um, Desmond Ritter, our quarterback, is back since he has some potential. And then USF. Uh, their defense is ugh, but Blake Barnett back healthy at quarterback. They do have a new offensive coordinator, but their offense should be explosive. I mean, Cronkite's back in the backfield. Mitchell Wilcox is a star at tight end, maybe one of the best in the country. Do you see UCF getting to this title game and breezing through the East, or do you see any sleepers there? We'll get the ECU and UConn next. Uh, and why aren't you playing the UCF under, and why aren't you playing the Temple over with such discrepancies? With UCF at 8.1, even though the win total is 9,
1: and Temple – you make 8.2 and the win total is six and a half. Yeah, there's a lot of questions coming out of this division here. So let, let's start off with Temple. They're, they're kind of quick and easy for me because there were things, even though that I have this at 8.2 and the win total is lower than that, you would expect an overplay. But, I mean, this is Rod Carey. This is a first-year coach coming in after they've had so much transition between Matt Rule and Jeff Collins. And we love the Owls. We always have. But the problem is I don't like Rod Carey. If you look at some of the efficiencies on defense and especially on offense – Northern Illinois did not get better. I, I think he left Northern Illinois in a worse place than what they were when he first arrived. That showed up in against the spread. That showed up in their offense. So there's nothing impressive from his coaching past that makes me want to take a Temple over here. I, I'm, I'm confined to letting that sit because that group of kids that plays for Temple, they have Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech on the schedule. If they lose that game, how deflated are they going to be for the rest of the season? I mean, that is their Super Bowl. So I just, I just don't want any part of this win total you know, Cincinnati kind of got the number right where it's supposed to be. I know it was uh it opened uh and has been steamed uh, all all season long. Uh I do like them in week 1 against UCLA, so we'll get to that in a couple weeks. South Florida is going to be an under for me. Uh you know, the Bulls ended last season on a six-game losing streak, capped by a home game bowl loss against Marshall in the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. So you know Blake Barnett returns to a pretty experienced offense. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's just no bite to this South Florida team whatsoever offensively, even though they're returning everybody. They do get a new offensive coordinator in, and Kerwin Bell. He was 27 and seven at Valdosta State, uh, but they're they just have a brutal November schedule. The defense is off the table. Can't even find it. Bent over on the floor, looked for it, can't even find it. They've fallen so far off the table.
0: Well, I do want to say six and a half is the win total on UCF. it's a four point eight. So really loves the under there <laughs> and UCF. It really comes down to, they have just a favorable schedule. We've been over this on other podcasts. We'll be over this mm-hmm. a couple more times throughout the year, but they kept some good teams, Stanford Pitt, in good spots for them and bad spots for Stanford and Pitt, uh, which is why you're not going under for a team that has won 18 yeah. straight conference games, but you're not, all, you're also not betting them to win the conference.
1: No, I'm not taking central Florida to win the conference. Uh, so let, let me talk about central Florida and why you guys bugged the hell out of me and you're already complaining about your ranking in the AP poll. It does not matter. The AP poll doesn't mean anything. The coaches poll doesn't mean anything. It's the college football playoff that means something, and you guys aren't getting in. You should have taken that two and one with Florida, in my opinion. I digress. Let's talk about the schedule. You're going to play Florida AM, and and then after that, you're going to have three non-conference games that you're probably going to pound your chest about and look and see. We played Lane Kiffin. We played Stanford. We played Pitt. Well, Let's look at that a little bit more closely. You're getting Florida Atlantic the week after they play Ohio State. You're getting Stanford to come cross-country in between two Pac-12 games, in between, I think, USC and Oregon. That's amazing. You're getting Pittsburgh. You're going to Pittsburgh to play them right after they played Penn State. Pittsburgh doesn't want to play you guys, all right? And you you beat the hell out of them last year. And and we talked about Pittsburgh on the ACC pod. I like them for the ACC. I don't think they care about this game, especially after they get done playing Penn State, which matters a lot to them. So I think you're going to get over 8.1 wins. The math says 8.1 situationally you have the best schedule in the nation to say we are the best G5 team because you catch all of these good teams in bad spots. Probably going to go over the total and it's just going to annoy me, but you're not going to win the conference because my hot take on this is that East Carolina is going to win. Yeah. Uh, East Carolina, four-
0: <laughs> one of your largest win totals, their win totals over four yes. and a half minus half minus one ninety or five, depending on where you look that you make the 5.8. This is a team that brings in an entire new staff. It's basically the JMU staff from last year, new head coach Mike Houston, uh, who basically brought his staff from JMU in. And before I let you get out, there's also UConn win total two and a half. You make it one point eight. I mean, they had one of the worst defenses in the history of college football last year. I don't care who they're bringing back, yep. or I, they still should suck. A quarterback, you know, Washington transfer. So it comes down to Mike Beaudry, a D two transfer from West Florida, or a redshirt freshman. UConn's trash. They probably have a couple games they could win at home, but, I mean, the team's irrelevant. So ECU, uh, you just love the Dukes and JMU that much, and Mike Houston, you're buying them to potentially
1: win the conference? Yeah, that's all it is, is Mike Houston comes over from James Madison. He won a 2016 national championship. Let's put it this way. I had a book shut me down. Like, I... Hired a couple nickel shots on ECU and then they said, nope, you're limited to $13. So I won't name the book, but it was 300 uh, to one. I, I, it went down to 80 to one. <laughs> yeah, it's down to 80 to one because Colin got shut down to a $13 bet. So the next time I'm in town, I have beers with the bookmaker. I'll, I'll let him know what happened. But uh, no, there's a reason I like these guys a lot. Uh, you know, I thought there was a stellar hire in Mike Houston who almost ended up at Charlotte. Crazy story if you guys go read about that. He's going to end up at Charlotte, and uh, last one at ECU swept in and got him. You know, he's he's perfect as a head coach. It's time for him to take the level up. He brings everybody in from James Madison. For the over four, it's a schedule that includes Gardner-Webb. It includes William and Mary. Uh, That's going to help them get to five wins. Uh, their quarterback is fantastic. His name is Holton Aylers. If you guys want to go look him up on YouTube, these splits on him and his limited action that he played last year as a freshman. He's now a sophomore. He had a 12 to 3 TD to INT ratio, but he was also the team's leading rusher. He had 693 yards rushing and six, total, and six TDs on the ground. So, I mean, that gives him an 18 to 3 TD to interception ratio. You know, they have seven offensive linemen that return with at least one start last year. That's a deep offensive line that's going to be able to protect him. I think the Pirates are going to flirt with a bull this season. Uh, their schedule is not that tough. I know UCF's in there. Uh, we mentioned how I don't like Temple. You know, South Florida, I don't like it all. They get a game against UConn, which is a freebie. East Carolina, I think, is going to be in a bull, you know, at 300-to-1, 200-to-1, 100-to-1, 80-to-1. If I all I have to do is play Central Florida on the other side when that game comes up, fine, so be it. So October 19th, you know, the point spread's going to be somewhere around, what, 24? I mean— it's a shot in the dark, but I think East Carolina is that G5 team that can have a huge instant turnaround in one
0: year. I can't buy it. Now I, I appreciate the bold stance. That what, <laughs> and I think that the hire Mike Houston is a good hire. I just don't know if he could take a team that got absolutely fucking trucked by anybody with a pulse last year. I mean, I, the, the two games to end the year at Cincy, they lost, what, 194 to nothing or something? I think it was 60 to 6. And then they went to NC State. And lost, I think sixty to three. I think they kicked the field goal at the end. It was fifty-eight-three. They lost. They lost at NCA and T. Uh, they lost forty-nine to six at Temple. Maybe they can get the five wins because they're easy schedule. But we'll, we'll debate about they, ECU. They that's, just, any, that's what scares me. I played you know, them against words. NC State that game. Oof. All right, we'll have much more on ECU throughout the year. Collins love affair. With the Pirates. Um, all right, let's move on to what you are all been waiting for, some action. And look, this looks like a down year in the MAC, to be honest, compared to what it usually is. There's some new coaches, Central Michigan, Akron, Bowling Green, Northern Illinois. Uh, but let's start in the East. Uh, which looks much more wide open and weaker, again, than the West. You know, you have Buffalo, win total at six. They lost Tyree Jackson. They lost their two wide receivers, Anthony Johnson, Osborne, transferred. Mabry also transferred. Their D only returns three starters. Win total six, you make it 6.4, but Buffalo could be a mess, and the team, I might be looking to fade early. Miami of Ohio, let's take a minute to pour one out for Gus. Us, Graglin, who we loved at quarterback. They got robbed. Still mad they didn't go to a bowl. They lost a ton on offense. Uh, we don't trust Chuck Martin, who's never won more than six games. Their win total is five and a half. of Ohio and Buffalo, those are the two biggest challengers to Ohio, who should walk really t- to the MAC championship. They did lose, you know, let at running back and Poppy White their best receiver, but work returns at under center. They have good special teams as they always do. They're off a of bye before they go to Buffalo. Uh, this is a revenge tour. Uh, I think for Ohio, they lost a t- lot of tough games to Northern Illinois to the games they should have won Miami of Ohio. I think Ohio is the play here. We both, and we talked right before this podcast, we both played them at plus 250 plus 300, wherever you can find plus 250 at Westgate right now to win the Mac. Miami of Ohio, you actually make 6.4 and their win totals five and a half, but you don't trust Martin either. And
1: we're high on Ohio. Wow. Would you agree there? The head coach of Miami of Ohio, he cannot wait. it was a it was a problem leading up to the last season and finally there was a couple of games where he turned it around, but just could never win any close one. So I don't trust them. And Gus Raglan was the big reason, you know, that that we wanted to back them as frequently as he could. Plus they were they were good at defending the rush. They lose some pieces from that. Yeah, they're two best defense. linebackers.
0: They're studs at
1: four two five, and that's those are huge losses. Yeah, I don't trust them What you know, as far as I can throw them. So definitely don't like them. And then, you know, you We talk about Akron. Akron was one of the teams two years ago. I mean, we talk about Ohio has a revenge. Two years ago, Ohio was supposed to be in the conference title game. And Akron kind of slipped their way in with Cato Nelson. So, uh, you know, Akron's a team, I think, has the possibility to compete with UTSA and UConn as the worst team in FBS. We'll see how the power ratings go after a couple weeks. But uh, uh, Bowling Green, I'm, I'm taking under three. So one of the plays I've got in this conference, you know, player turnover, New coaches and Scott Loeffler, new schemes, no depth in the program, quarterback gone, everything that you need to put in your mixing bowl to get an under and cash a ticket at a window, uh, Bowling Green's got it. So Scott Loeffler has never improved any, any team he's ever stopped at. Uh, they have three realistic chances at a win. That's Akron, Central Michigan. Uh, the Chips new head coach is Jim McElvain. So, I mean, I, he's going to get nope. out coached in that spot right there. So, I, I just, it, maybe it pushes. I don't think it does. I think the Bowling Green under, but I do like Kent State over. Uh, uh, their new coach, Sean Lewis, has done a great job since he's got there Uh, for what he's got, the budget he's got, the program that he's got at Kent state. uh, You know, you can shop around and get a three and a half, but uh, you know, it's worth it. I'm going to take the over Uh, the golden flashes face our most winnable games at home with Kennesaw state, Bowling green ball state, a road game at Akron is is good to get to the push with four. It's going to be a coin flip in my opinion with, uh, a Buffalo team, you already mentioned it. I mean, w- with what they lost, uh, you know, wide receiver and quarterback, uh, that's going to be a rebuild kind of there. And then Miami-Ohio, again, is going to come back to the pack. So I like Kent State over four, I think at a minimum that it pushes. Yeah, you mentioned Bowling Green. They're switching from an air raid to uh, a more,
0: you know, they're going to run the ball more, rely on Andrew Clare, who is a solid running back. But, you know, Lorenzo Tabor in their left tackle was the Smiths. They lost their best wide receiver to the NFL. Uh, their quarterback, Doge, is gone. I mean, this team's a mess. Akron. Experienced offense and Cato Nelson back under center, but new coaching staff, they're switching from a spread to a pro-style attack. They want Nelson <laughs> in the pocket more. I don't know why his best asset is his legs. Disaster. I mean, their their wide receiver Morris was shut down. Their D is wretched. I agree with you there on Akron and Bowling Green. Kent State, yeah, I, I think they could improve this year. In the year two under Sean Lewis, you know, and they have Woody Barrett back, the Auburn transfer. Speaking of which, week three, they go to Auburn. And Gus Malzahn, he never likes to show things when they play these, uh, you know, inferior teams. You know, I want to look at Kent State there as a live dog. The problem is their offensive line is really small, and going against that Auburn defensive line is a nightmare. And I know mm-hmm. Kent State plays a hurry up, and then Sean Lewis wants to go go go. but They have eighty snaps per game last year. The year before, they were at like sixty six. So, but I still want to play an under. I don't think I think Auburn. would be go vanilla, and Kent State won't be able to move the ball at that offensive line. Uh, but I do think at the conference. Uh, in the MAC, they can have an improvement. I, I agree with you on that over there, uh, but we both agree in the East, it's all about Ohio um, and we're both on them to win the conference. Let's move on to the West, which I think is a three-team race or you know, I think it's a two-team race. Some people say it's a three-team race between Northern Illinois, Toledo and Western Michigan. Western Michigan, you know, the problem is their best receiver, Jaden Reed, who's a freshman All-American, he transferred to Michigan State. And then, you know, they had another wide receiver transfer to App State. You know, so they have Wassing coming back at quarterback. But can he stay healthy? Um, you know, they're good with him. I think they're 11-6 with him under center and 2-6 and six without him. Uh, but losing those two wide receivers hurts. Um, they also have bad bye weeks. So then it comes down to NIU and Toledo. NIU, there's a quarterback battle. Ross Bowers from Cal and Shoulders last year. You know they do have Harbison back, tears on the uh, wide receiver. They have a new head coach, Thomas Hammack, who was the Ravens' running back coach, who's at Wisconsin. They're going to run it a lot. I think they're going to rely on Harbison. They could be you know, a good under team, even though they lost, you know, Sutton Smith and, and Josh Cork and their two best DNs. I still think their D should be solid, but we'll see how much of an impact those two losses are. But you know, Northern Illinois not buying. I think it's Toledo that's going to come out of here. You have Guadani back at quarterback. Uh, they have a strong running game. Even though they do have to replace their top three receivers, I still think they'll be okay with that favorable schedule. I actually think they're a live dog week one at Kentucky, catching 11, 11 and a half. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the top of the West uh, between Northern Illinois, Toledo, and Western Michigan?
1: As far as the bottom like Eastern Michigan, Toledo, Central Michigan, they have some of the worst returning production ranks on defense. So it, it when Stuck starts off the Mac and he says that this is a rebuilding year for the conference, it – it truly is. I mean, it's a reset as far as Northern Illinois getting a new coach. Toledo's schedule in cross-division games versus what Western Michigan has in cross-division games is what makes the difference for me. Toledo's schedule uh, includes Buffalo. It includes uh, Bowling Green. It includes uh, Kent State. I mean, those are those are the three teams from the East Division uh, that are all you know three of the four worst that are in, in the bottom on the other side. So they have a much uh, easier schedule, at least cross-division versus say Western Michigan, who's got to play all the big boys. They don't have as easy of a schedule, and most of their the toughest games are on the road. So there's definitely a big difference between Toledo and Western Michigan and their strength of schedule within the conference, which, you know, and Toledo hosts between the two when they go head-to-head.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, some other notes on some of those bottom feeders. Uh, you know, Eastern Michigan should have a good secondary. Mike Glass is back at quarterback, but they have questions on the interior of their offensive line. Their, you know, defense, they lost Max Crosby, which is huge, went to the NFL, and their best linebackers are gone. They only play five home games, you know, but their win total is six and a half. You make it 7.1. They have some winnable games on that schedule. Then you get down to the real basement, and, you know, Ball State, Riley Neal is gone. He went to Vandy. James Gilbert is gone, a running back. Their defense should be pretty good. I, I think they're going to be, you know, they'll have a lot of experience. I think they're going to be a pretty improved unit. I'll look at the under versus Indiana, but their offense is going to struggle. And then Central Michigan, you know, Jim McElwain you mentioned, is in there. They were 1-11 last year. Quentin Dormandy should be the quarterback. He was previously at Tennessee, lost his job to the starter there now, and then was at Houston, lost his job at the starter there now, and now he's going to go to Central Michigan. But, I mean, look, they have a great kicker. That's about all I can say about Central Michigan. They lost two first-team all-MAC corners, and they were 1-11 last year. So they're both in the NFL, by the way. That's all you need to know. Charlie Fry, by the way, is the offensive coordinator, if you remember him, the former Ackerton quarterback. But there are some bad teams in the MAC this year. You know, I look at Bowling Green under, Ohio over, but I prefer Ohio just to win the conference. We actually yeah. look at Toledo over with that schedule. And... Uh, I think you can't go wrong going with some of these other bad teams under. But would you agree Ohio wins?
1: And I'm going to say they beat Toledo. Frank Solich to capture his first ever MAC title after being two time Big 12 coach of the year. He still does not won a MAC title. I think that gets done this year over Toledo. The MAC conference title game has been played since 1997. Ohio
0: has never won one. They're 0 and 4. So a lot more MAC action during the year. We'll have our first Wednesday night and Tuesday night MAC action in early November. Can't wait for that. Um, so let's move on to. The Mountain West, we'll save the fun belt for last, which is your favorite conference this year. Um, so let's start in – well, Boise's going for the fourth straight division title in the Mountain, so let's start in the Mountain division. Big story with Boise is they're the clear favorite to win the conference, which is a down year, I think, overall. Uh, they're minus 105 to win the conference. That's even with replacing their star quarterback, Rippon, and they lost their star running back. I Madison – they do have all five starters back on the offensive line. This is the best roster in the conference. Potential challengers in the division. I mean, you have to reach here, but Utah State—they have Gary Anderson back as their head coach. They have a solid quarterback with Love under center, but they just lost so much, uh, especially on offense. They only have one other starter coming back on offense. They do have sick linebackers, but I just can't see Utah State challenging Boise. Wyoming—you know—they found their quarterback potentially in Chambers, but this is a team that couldn't pass the ball last year. They were the worst passing offense in the country. If you just look at non-option teams and they lost all their running backs. They just did it on the ground. And Chambers gave them some mojo with his legs, but you know Nico Evans is gone. You know, so I think that their defense will be okay. They have a solid kicker and the altitude advantage. Um but their win total is spot on at five and a half. I think I don't think they can challenge Boise. Air Force potentially is interesting. I think this team, who brings a ton back, is due for some positive regression. They lost some tough games last year. They're plus 900 to win the conference. It's the only team I really consider, but they do go to Boise. I don't think I'll play their win total, which is eight. You make it about 7.4. But I think this is a team I want to play on. And then New Mexico and Colorado State, you love the under. in New Mexico, I'll let you talk to that. Colorado State, they're the bottom of the mountain. They have no shot of competing with Boise. So is this just Boise is like Clemson here, and there's no one that can potentially – run with them in this division?
1: Yeah, I will I will say save something for Air Force here, but Boise minus 105 is the only way to go. But I, I took New Mexico under five. The new coordinators for a converted spread offense that actually got slower in pace of play. So they went from a triple option to a spread, and it actually got slower in pace of play. They're one of the slowest offenses in the nation. Uh, their top six tacklers are off the defense. Uh, Juco's have come in for Bob Davey. Sort of a last-ditch effort in this campaign that he's had in Albuquerque that has just been uh, pretty tremendous, not just on the field, but off the field. Uh, I can't believe he hasn't been fired yet. Uh, The Lobos uh, ISO PPP rating has regressed the last three years, second to 111th in a span of just two seasons, uh, 24 months, second to 111th in ISO PPP. So uh, whatever they're doing in offense, they're making it worse. They're, I mean, they're not doing anything to it. I don't know how they get to five wins. I think I've got them at 3.5. Uh, you know, So, I mean, if you look at their schedule, there's just – I don't know where these games are going to come from, especially since I like Liberty. They go out to Liberty, I, so I don't expect that to be a win. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. I want to circle back on the Air Force one because you and I kind of talked about this pre-pod. Uh, you know, I like the Air Force team. I mean, they have the best defenders uh, returning – to face a rush defense. Their rush defense was 20th in S&P Plus last year, and they get a lot of those guys back, and their schedule is just full of rush-first offenses. Neither Isaiah Sanders or Donald Hammond III took the lead in this past weekend's scrimmage, so both are going to play. I think both are going to be put in by Calhoun. but, I mean, they just have a schedule that sets up to where if you have a defense that can defend the run, they're dangerous. Now, do I think they could be Boise? No, but I at least think Air Force deserves some until the department.
0: Yep. Yeah. New Mexico is just, I mean, this is a disaster. When I was reading about them, you know, to start off my summer, I was assuming Bob Davey wasn't there any longer, but he is. New coordinators. They lost, they have a new defensive coordinator. They lost everyone on D. And are only two good players that were good on D were their corners last year. They lost both of them. They might even be on NFL rosters, but they have a new offensive coordinator. They're going to run a mix of spread and the option. So last year they were down to that third quarterback. So they were doing. They were running. They tried to run the spread, but they're gonna. Yeah, they got a ton of JUCOs in, so there. I guess there's some variance there. But this team could. It's high quit factor too. This team could quit and it could go south. I agree with you in the under. And then the team we didn't mention, Colorado State. You know, intriguing team for maybe some positive regression. You know, they have Colin Hill. Colin with two L's back at quarterback and healthy. Uh, I think they should improve a little bit on defense and special teams. They're a little more experienced, and they dealt with a lot of injuries last year, but it's tough to find a lot of wins on their schedule. In the West division, so we both agree, our boys is going to win the Mountain. Who's going to play West? Well, since they split these divisions up in the Mountain West from the Mountain and West, it's either been Fresno or San Diego State all six years. And Fresno this year is, I think, a mess. You know, I, You make their win total eight and a half. Their win total is eight. Juco transfer quarterback Reina, who's going to start for them. But they lost a ton, uh, especially on defense. Jeff Allison's a huge loss. They also have a tough schedule. They had buys early. They recently lost Jordan Mims, one of their – Uh, Top two backs for the year. Uh, And then their other back, Ronnie Rivers, he has a hamstring issue. I think this could be a rough year for Fresno. I'm all about the under here. Mm -hmm. I don't trust them. The other interesting team, Hawaii with Cole McDonald in that run and shoot. Win total five and a half. You make it 5.3. They are one of the most experienced teams in the country. But the question is, does that matter with that awful defense? Uh, And then San Diego State, we're going to disagree on, I think. Because I'm thinking about playing them to win the conference Ryan Agnew back. He's going to start a quarterback. They're going to run this spread attack. Uh, Jawan Washington's back a running back, so they're still going to run the ball. Uh, they do return a lot. So before we get to the bottom feeders, let's start with those three: Fresno, San Diego State, and
1: Hawaii. You are highest on Hawaii here, and think Hawaii could actually meet Boise. Yeah, let's just go right to the top. Yeah, I do have a Hawaii uh, 25 to 1 ticket on me. So, you know, I do think Hawaii is the one that's going to face Boise. Let's just say, you know, I... I I'm fascinated with the run and shoot. I When Cole McDonald was healthy, that was the talk of college football last year. They started off hot, I think six and one. And after that injury happened, uh, things didn't play out as well, but he is healthy this year. You know, the Rainbow Warriors are ninth in overall returning production, uh, but that does include a defense. It was 102nd against explosiveness and 98th in success rate and just 113th in havoc. They're essentially a crossing guard that's always got his hand uh, waving for you to cross the street. I mean, their defense is... Uh, it's pretty bad, but I am I, I do like Cole McDonald, and this is the West Division of the Mountain West, which means it's defense optional. It's Mountain Defense Optional uh, Division, so I do like Hawaii just because of the schedule also they will play to only two of their final seven games will be on the road. So you have to go to Hawaii and beat Hawaii for the remainder of the season, and a lot of conference play happens out there. So uh, I'm I'm pretty excited, you know, just from a scheduling standpoint, and if Cole McDonald can stay healthy. Uh, they have a uh, plenty of plenty of returners at uh, offensive line. that should keep, keep people off him as long as he makes good decisions in space with the run and shoot. Yeah, the problem um, is they can't yeah. stop
0: a nosebleed. That's the problem I have with Hawaii. I mean, I guess well, there's nowhere they can go but up. But if they can but, put
1: it on you, just as fast as you could put it on them. <laughs> uh, just put their condition down. That's fair. But Fres- why
0: so why so low and well? Fresno lost a ton, right? Would you disagree
1: though? Well, yeah, but yeah. Let me make it clear to everybody. I have it at five. Win totals at eight. Biggest drop in my off season PR is I took twelve points off fresno that is monstrous they took a huge whack in returning production the schedule starts off with at usc followed up by hosting minnesota you know tedford didn't have i mean he was able to turn things around but let's talk about the players that he had before we'll we'll see how far they regress we'll see how good they are in their first couple games i mean you and i are not out itching to buy usc in week one uh you know so we'll see what fresno's got i mean that may be a, a, a sneaky play but i just can't get behind clay helton uh, so, yeah, I think you're right about that. But then I think the disagreement between you and me comes with San Diego State. I mean, this whole Rocky Long, we're moving to the spread, but we plan on running just as much. They were 11th in standard downs run rate. They were 30th in passing downs run rate, but they're moving to the spread. Really uh, a little bit of confusion to me. Uh, Ryan Agnew is going to start a quarterback, and Jawan Washington is going to be a running back. That's well known. But every other starting position is up for grabs. Rocky Long came out after the scrimmage the other day and said, I have 10 to 12 guys looking to win spots on the offensive line. 10 to 12 guys, if you have you listen to this podcast and you have any eligibility and you're around the San Diego area, you might want to go down if you're way too 90 or more. The road slate includes New Mexico State, Colorado State, San Jose State, UNLV. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really good, favorable road conference slate. Uh, all those teams are projected outside the top 100. even to the spread. Uh, a lot of positions on offense not locked down. The defense is going to be solid. You and I always agree on that, but this offense thing is just my head spin a little bit about what's going on, on that side of the ball. That's fair. Uh, we'll be debating more about them,
0: uh, the teams that we don't think have a shot to win it. Um, Nevada. I mean, look, I, some people are higher on Nevada. What up, Preston? You know, the Christian <laughs> Solano was their quarterback who got hurt, and he's out till October. Then they have Malik Henry for you last chance U fans, but. He's been hurt. You know, it could be redshirt freshman Carson Strong. who looks like he's going to be the starter. A lot of questions at quarterback. They lost a ton, including on defense. They're They lost Malik Reed, who was just an, you know, do-everything defender. So I think Nevada's going to struggle. Their win total is six. And, you know, UNLV, I think, is a mess and I think it could go south quick. Armani Rogers is back at quarterback, but they did lose running back Lexington Thomas. There's not much to like about UNLV. Uh, you may, The win total is four. You make it 3.1. Uh, and then San Jose State, you have Josh Love, quarterback. I think he has some promise. By the way, there's two Love's at quarterback in the Mountain West, uh, Jordan Love for Utah State, who went to Liberty High School.
1: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.
0: But San Jose State, can they do anything on the ground? One of the saddest rushing attacks I've ever seen last year. They are fairly experienced. Maybe they get a little better, but their win total is 2.5. You make it 2.7. Who cares? San Jose State's irrelevant. But you're low on UNLV, but Gated that you missed a total. and.
1: Yep. Nevada. Yeah, V is an underplay. Even at four, it's still an underplay. The problem is, is I was in Las Vegas when I believe the Golden Nugget was the first to put out win totals, and they put out a five, and I didn't get there fast enough before that thing got moved uh, down to four and a half, down to four. So as a gambler in the past, when I see a number and I can't get to it fast enough and I can't get the best of the number, I pause and I hesitate into buying a worse number. It's the same thing with juice. I usually will wait around on totals until... I get the correct juice that I think that I can get. But with the five, I just want to get it. So now I'm just being bullheaded about a UNLV under, which should be played at under four. Uh, you know, San Jose State, hey, they're on Arkansas schedule. You never know. It could be an amazing day when they fly out to Fayetteville. Nevada, I understand, uh, you know, some people think Nevada is going to be uh, pretty good. But Malik Henry from Last Chance U, he didn't even play in the latest scrimmage. He's uh, He's got a torn up hamstring. Uh, Carson Strong elevated his game. Uh, Callum really liked what he did there. It looks like Carson Strong is going to be the starter, but you know, the Wolfpack's biggest losses are in the secondary and they open up their season with Purdue and Oregon. If you don't think Justin Herbert ain't going to pick the Wolfpack apart, uh, you know, three of their eight conference opponents are coming off of a bye week. So you're going to get three, you know, fresh teams, uh, you know, in your conference play, which is not a good thing. So, uh, I think the six total is spot on for the Wolfpack. I don't have any plans for them to, to win the West, uh, just me and my crazy uh, run and shoot uh, with the boys on the island. There, uh, having a bunch of home games in November and October is what I like.
0: There's a fade. We love the under, and we think that that is going to either open. That's going to open up the West for you know someone to get to the championship to to play, presumably Boise. And then we just disagree on which team we think is going to get there. I think it's going to be San Diego state. You think it's going to be Hawaii. Um, So that's probably why I'll go San Diego state to win the conference and you'll go Hawaii. Um, All right. So let's move on and finish up with the fun belt. And this is Colin's favorite conference this year. And if you haven't had enough hot takes, you're going to get some uh, here in the fun (laughs) belt. Uh, But let's start in the app states, the clear favorite conference, by the way, Uh, Zach Thomas is back at quarterback. They bring Everybody back. I think they bring 20 starters back. They're minus 120 to win the conference. Let's start in the east uh, with the favorites. The three favorites. This should be a three team race. App State's clearly the favorite. You know, win total nine, you make it right around nine seven. Their two primary challengers are Troy and Georgia Southern. Troy, which is plus 500 to win the conference, they have the benefit of hosting both Georgia Southern and App State. Uh, they have running back BJ Smith, who's a stud, and then Georgia Southern. You know the triple option team. Shea Wertz is back at quarterback. The problem is they have a brutal road schedule. Um, tell me about what your thoughts on the the top of the the East and the Fun Belt.
1: Shaywitz is back at quarterback, huh? He had a little incident with some bird shit on his windshield. They thought it. They thought it was a a, a banned substance. <laughs> Should we call it a banned substance? <laughs> so uh, you know, Shaywitz is back for Georgia Southern, but uh, you know they had the largest second order win total drop. Uh, for me in this conference at minus 2.1. So they should have had more like eight wins instead of 10 last year. You know, they have no experience at center or left tackle whatsoever. That could be a problem for a team that runs a triple option. Uh, so they could be more of a, a team that pitches than a quarterback keeper or a fullback dive because there there's some pieces of the line that they're missing most of the back seven returns from a team that was fifth against passing downs explosiveness so that's a good thing for georgia southern's defense you're not going to beat them deep but i don't think it's going to you know be as explosive i should say as explosive with a triple option offense but at least it shouldn't be as efficient as it was the year before because of the offensive line play troy uh i do like troy this year 41st in returning production uh, they'll be fine with caleb barker i know sawyer smith transferred up to kentucky he may Win the job. I, I haven't checked the news today, but uh, you know he departs to Kentucky. he will get some playing time up there. Uh, their top three receivers are gone, which you know account, account for over fifty-five percent of the targets. So I think Chip Lindsey was a great hire. He, uh, he's definitely good for the area. Uh, the Sunbelt runs through Troy, Alabama, this year. Arkansas State comes, Georgia Southern comes, Appalachian State comes. So Troy holds the keys to to, to this to this uh, conference. And App State, I just don't know what it is. I'm not on. The App State train. They return everybody. I mean, they return, you know, the best quarterback in, in, in the conference and their 22nd returning production, uh, their 15th in offensive explosiveness. I love that stuff. Right. I mean, the Mountaineers have, you know, they've just been the poster child for the things that we love on this podcast to make us money. And they hired in Eli Drinkwitz from NC State. He was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, and they were 13th and 17th in passing SP plus the two seasons that he was at NC State. But the one thing I keep hearing from everybody is that he's an explosive coach. He's an explosive coach. It's amazing that we got him. And then you look into NC State stats, and with Ryan Finley, they were only 57th and 89th in ISO PPP. So I think that he's kind of being improperly labeled as explosive when he's actually just efficient. So I don't know if it's the coaching change. Uh, you know, I feel like App State could beat everybody in this conference, no problem. But there is a change at the top. There is a change in some coordinator positions. And that makes me wary of buying them. Maybe it's just a rule of thumb and offseason investments that I just don't buy into new coaches, new places, I guess, unless their name is Texas State. Yeah, we'll get to Texas State. Don't you worry. Uh, and but yeah, I mean, I agree. I think
0: Troy is the team that could capitalize off off of uh app state and i I think georgia southern is going to suffer some negative regression. so i think it's troy who does host like we said georgia southern and app state that could take advantage let's finish up the east two bottom feeders there coastal carolina Uh, and by the way colin likes the over in troy which i would agree with coastal carolina win total four and a half over four and a half plus 140 colin makes it 3.9 they just have an easy schedule a couple easy wins they should get at home uh but they're horrible i mean their quarterback plays horrible there's some terrible quarterbacks in the fun belt uh fred payton who i think is going to start for coastal he's terrible uh cephas johnson for south alabama he's terrible your boy vit at texas state who's not going to start i know probably but we'll get to them but coastal stinks and then you have georgia state who you know i think could be a little better you make their win total 3.1 but you woke up one morning and thought Mm -hmm. they could win the conference uh what, what, what,
1: what were you smoking that that morning uh, I must have woke up in a state where uh, that kind of thing was legalized. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Coastal Carolina, let me go back to Coastal Carolina real quick. They are horrible on defense. They're in a second-year defensive coordinator who's from a high school in Los Angeles, uh, and they were 129th defensively in s Plus last year. The defense is terrible. Jamie Chadwell taking over as coach for Joe Moglia. Uh, I actually think that is a, a great move, perfect move. Uh, he knows this. He was interim for such a long time for this program. He is the coach that came to Fayetteville, Arkansas and lost 39 to 38 to the Razorbacks and had us pinned to the mat. Uh, an amazing comeback by the Razorbacks to beat old Coastal Carolina just two years ago. Jamie Chadwell is a really good coach. Uh, and offensively, he's gonna figure it out. But defensively, they're gonna fire this high school coach and get them out of there nothing against high school coaches because we hired Gus Malzahn from Springdale High School so uh, back to Georgia State I woke up one morning and I just had this thing you know c- could I could I make it work for Georgia State could I make a case for them busting through with the top three in this division and the thing that I loved about them is that they had continuity at the head coach uh, they had continuity at the skill positions they were 28th in returning production uh, but I just couldn't get over the hump of the defense being, you know, 129th against ISO PPP. They were 130th and third down success rate last year. They were the worst in the nation against third down. Uh, Nate Fuqua, the third year defensive coordinator, he he might be on the hot seat this year. But their there's schedule, it was the situational spots and their schedule that I just coming kept coming back to. And my two favorites were Arkansas State is on back-to-back travel after they play Troy. So Georgia State's kind of like, a pothole that Arkansas state could fall into because they'll be on, you know, double road travel and they'll just be coming off a game against Troy. So, you know, Georgia state has a situational schedule that, you know, maybe they can take advantage of in some spots. Now stuck is right. I can't, you're going to bet that. on a pothole to win the fun belt. You know, if I get over this, this 130th against third downs, maybe I could have done something with this, but I think Georgia state is, is definitely worth a look. If you can find a cheap price, I'd take it over on them.
0: Fair enough. All right. So let's move on to the West. And we say the best for the last in the Fun Belt West because Colin has uh, quite the take on Texas State. Uh, the boys down in San Marcos.
1: Are you f- kidding me, Texas f- State? They haven't had a Sun Belt win since 2015. Texas State.
0: We'll get to that. The favorites here are Arkansas State and Laffey, who I love. Uh, Arkansas State's actually the favorite. They're plus 500 to win the conference. Same price as Troy out of the east and app state we said was minus 120 uh arc state you know look they have solid receivers they have a great defensive line they have a cake schedule outside of georgia and you know, you know their win total is seven and a half over seven and a half, minus 150 Kyle makes it 8.6 the problem is where i don't love them is they lost justice hansen their star quarterback and i just don't i'm not a believer mm-hmm. in logan bonner i'm sorry so i think that they're going to take a big step back because of quarterback play uh, despite all the other things that are working in their advantage, and I th- I'm buying La Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette. I feel like they—I call them something different every time. But they have 17 starters back, an elite rushing attack, 10 to 1 at Westgate. Chop around. Their win total is six over six minus 145. Colin, you make it 5.6. But I love Laffey. I guess you could also make a case for La Monroe. Uh, win totals five as a sleeper. You make it 5.2. They return a ton as well. A lot of these teams in the fun bell return a lot of production. A theme throughout. Uh, quarterback, Caleb Evans is back. The team, he kind of drives that team. They'll go as he goes. And then you have Texas state. Well, actually, I first should mention South Alabama. This team is atrocious. Colin got me to love them at the beginning of last year. <laughs> Luckily he's, he's getting me to hate them. Like I already hated them this year. Win total two and a half. Uh, Colin, you make a 1.8. You will be on the under. Cephas Johnson is terrible at quarterback. They have a brutal schedule. I think there are two best players this year. They're punter and kicker and they're both gone. They lost a ton. Uh, so right off South Alabama. Uh, but I like Laffy <laughs> to take advantage. Some people like Ark State, but I'm not buying Bonner. Colin likes Texas State. Win total four and a
1: half, he makes it five. He likes the over to win the conference, to win the West. Explain yourself. To win the national championship. Let's just get that straight, right? With the Bobcats. <laughs> let's start off with South Alabama. I know you're mad at me about last year. I, I could not get over the fact that South Alabama had three wide receivers that were like 246 foot five. They were like SEC wide receivers. And I thought all you had to do was just throw the ball up and let these kids go get it. Stanford style. Yeah, I I think I fell under some local news reporting, some sort of trance last July about how much I love these guys and their and their coach came from central Arkansas. So uh, that aside, uh, South Alabama's got depth issues. Uh, it's going to be a problem with the Jags all season long. They have a tough schedule. Uh, they're going to be double digit underdogs in 10 games this season. 10 games. I mean, the win total is two and a half. Uh, the Jags are expected to be a touchdown underdog against Georgia State. And if they can win as FCS Jackson State, that's not a cakewalk. So, you know, I mean, I think that number is going to be around 18, but still, I mean, it's just, you know, that, that, that game falls after Nebraska and before Memphis. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, but under two and a half is a play on South Alabama. So South Alabama is you know, going to go to a bowl. Jesus Christ. All right. So go ahead. So let's talk about Arkansas State because I'm kind of in a, I agree with Stockton. The loss of Justice Hanson, uh big deal at quarterback there. Arkansas State does have, I would say the best defensive line in, in, in the Sun Belt. They have a defensive line that could play in other conferences. I mean, it, it, it's that good. And they, Yeah. They, the best uh, the I think kid, group of five D line fair. Yeah. Best group of five D line. It, it's definitely arguable, but I, I think they they have that. Even the kid that, was on last chance U, uh the KD. Uh, gosh, or Kalani Davis, I think was his name, but he's at Arkansas State now, and he's not even cracked the, the starting four, but he will get some playing time uh, this year. But I mean, you know, there are road games against South Alabama, ULM, Georgia State. So I mean, that's all good stuff. One huge advantage for Arkansas State is that in the Sun Belt, you have to realize this with Sun Belt play. If you're unfamiliar to this and how they've done the divisions, there's two teams. There's there's two there's two divisions of five. And the schedule dictates that you will miss one team in conference play. There's Everybody has their one assigned team that they will miss. Arkansas State does not play Appalachian State in conference play, which means everybody else in the West has to play Appalachian State. So that is a huge leg up for Arkansas State. Now there's some other things going on. I agree with Stuck about the quarterback play. It's going to take a major drop off uh, for the Red Wolves, used to be the Indians uh, back in the day over in Jonesboro. The offense loses plenty, but the defense is still 27th and returning production but i think there's something else that you know we need to say cordially is that and their head coach is going through a lot off you know off the field uh his wife has had cancer for the last 18 months 2 years it's something that the team's been dealing with coaches have been dealing with and if, if you just kind of poke around uh it's not getting better and it, it's it's um it's looking like it's not going to uh uh have the same happy news that it has had in the past when the, when the cancer has uh, been in remission. So uh, there's going to be things going on off the field with Arkansas State. Does that play a factor in your handicap? The coordinators have been coming and going out of this program pretty frequently. The success that Arkansas State has had, they have a new coaching staff in there, I think, the last three years. I mean, Malzon was there. The the guy at Boise Harrison's been there. Uh, Hugh Freeze has been there. I mean, coaches have been coming and going out of there so fast. And, it, you know, Blake Anderson's been there a while. And if he uh, is not around the program for, say, two or three weeks, that could be something, a part of your handicap. So not really a whole lot of investments for me uh, going into Arkansas State. You know, as far as ULL goes, I I just have as much love for these guys as Stuck does. I mean, their fifth overall in explosiveness, that's all Billy Napier. Billy Napier is a disciple of Nick Saban. He comes out of his coaching tree. Uh, Levi Lewis is their quarterback. He had 59 attempts last season at quarterback. They have a stable amount of running backs and return every starter on the offensive line. The problem for me with, with ULL uh, or, or Lafayette or Louisiana or whatever we're going to call them is that the App State and Arkansas State swing in their schedule is not going to be easy. And that could be what what makes the difference and then getting into the conference championship game. ULM, you know, they return all five of their offensive linemen. Like we said, there's a lot of returning starters. Caleb Evans is back at quarterback, but they lose Marcus Green. They're, they're super wide receiver. He had eight TDs last year. If you add up all the touchdowns on ULM's roster, it gets to seven between all the other targets on the team. So losing Marcus Green in his eight TDs is a really big deal for ULM. And the return game, too. Marcus Green was a big part of that. So, you know, tough schedule. Look at look at ULM schedule. Florida State, Iowa State, non-conference. Uh, they play Texas State. And this is going to play I'm, – I'm leading up to it here. Oh, but they play Texas State five days after they played Memphis. After ULM gets boat raced by Memphis. There may be 100 plays in that game. They have five days to recover to play the boys. San Marcos. All right. So before we get into this Texas State thing, let's let's talk about what's happened in the offseason with these guys. So if you don't know who Bob Stitt is, he was the head coach up at Montana. Uh, They had a very successful program up there at their level. uh, uh, And uh, Bob Stitt is known as quarterback whisperer and offensive coordinator guy. Uh, Dana Holgerson uh, I believe, won an Orange Bowl about a decade ago and in his post-game interview. He said, oh, yeah, that Jet sweep play, that thing that I ran 40 times and, and won the Orange Bowl with, I got that from Bob Stitt. Bob Stitt is highly respected. Um, he comes down uh, two years removed uh, from Montana. He brings his quarterback from Montana down in the form of Gresh Jensen. Gresh, love him. Jensen is scheduled to be the starter over Tyler Vitt, who played for Texas State last year. Who you, love, you love? You love Tyler Vitt, and now you're. I you've love just, Tyler you've Vitt. You dumped them. You just dumped them. And moved on to Gresh. Well, we got Jalen Gibson. We got Tyler Vitt. We got Gresh Jensen, and now uh, I think announced today, a redshirt freshman from Memphis, uh, Brady McBride, is transferring down to San Marcos. I don't know if they're handing out candy. I don't know if the if the female student body's looking good, but everybody wants to play in San Marcos. Everybody wants to be a bobcat these days. I mean, I, I don't understand how things change so fast. I, it's almost like there's something in the water down there, but uh, Jensen got the, Gresh Jensen uh, got the start at quarterback in Saturday's scrimmage. He looked good. Uh, Spavadol came out and said that he was most impressed with Tyler Vitt, so they really haven't named who the starting quarterback's going to be yet. Of course, Vitt can do it with his legs as to where Gresh Jensen is more of a pocket passer. Texas State has the top Sunbelt recruiting class from 2017. Those guys are all on the roster. They have third in the nation in returning production. And that includes a bunch of guys that were in that top recruiting class from 2017. So they have the talent to at least do something. They have a great situational schedule. They avoid playing Georgia Southern from the East. Well, we just talked about how Georgia Southern is going to be down, but when you can avoid a triple option team, what that means is, is you don't have any throwaway work. Your defensive coordinator doesn't have to prepare two weeks in advance and, you know, with, with game preparations for a triple option offense that you're just going to throw away because you're not playing Army again. You're not going to play anybody that runs a triple option. So, any work put into Georgia Southern is kind of a hassle for some of these teams. They don't have to worry about it. They don't play Georgia Southern for the other side. App State, when they play App State, App State will have a look ahead to Troy. That is their biggest game of the year. And App State only thinks about Troy and they got to play Texas State first. They get a bye week before they face ULM. Uh ULM, like we said, they'll be off five days rest uh, after a boat race with Memphis. Uh, the only problem is that Arkansas State game. We can't get to the Sun Belt Championship unless they can beat Arkansas State. So that is where if you're going to invest in any of these futures, let's talk seriously about this. I mean, this number has been 150 to 1, 100 to 1. I'm not saying go out there and throw a whole bunch of money on it. If you're a $500 or better, think about throwing $50 on it. But if you get some money down on this, I mean, you're going to be in a hedge situation against Arkansas State at least. And then you're going to have to deal with the App State monster in the championship game. But, you know, supporting a first year coach with new schemes on both sides of the ball, you know, it's worth a shot at this price. It's really all about price. I would stop buying Texas State at 80 to 1. I'm seeing 80 to 1 around a lot of shops. That's when I stop buying. So just word of warning there. This isn't. Go out and just open up the floodgates and buy anything. Just make sure it's above 80 to 1. Uh, the schedule screams opportunity. All the talent is back. And this is a very, very high-respected coaching staff. Yes, Pat, Jake Spavitola, the new
0: head coach. They do bring everyone back with new coordinators, but you're buying Gresh and Stitt, the Montana connection. Yes, San Marcos. I mean, I guess it's Texas State and a bunch of outlet malls. I guess, Colin, you'll be headed down there to shop if uh, – I think you still have to make it down to Birmingham to celebrate your UAB ticket, but this is your, your big shot this year. I'll be on Laffy. I'm not buying Texas state, but you make a good case. And uh, I think I'll join you on the over, but not to win the fun belt. So that covers all 60 group of five teams. I think I mentioned everyone gone. I think you did too. There might be a couple that you didn't Mm -hmm. mention when I was just going through, we did it in almost uh, just a little over an hour. We hope you got all of it. And if you didn't tune in next week, because in our week zero preview, so we have two games next week. Uh, We have the big one, which is Miami and Florida. And then we also have Hawaii and Arizona Uh, totals sitting around 70, 71. So it could be a shootout. We'll go into both of those games. We'll have a guest. We'll also cover the independents. We have six schools left to preview. So we'll cover, you know, for your Notre Dame, your BYU fans, and uh, I guess there could be some New Mexico State fans out there. And then obviously we have to cover Liberty.
1: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.
0: And Army, two of the podcast's favorite
1: teams uh, last year. I hear Hugh Freeze has some time uh, laying on his back. He could probably come on as a guest. Hugh Freeze. So what are your vices?
0: I have been known to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired. We might have to do that. And Buckshot. And then the one thing we didn't mention was UMass. So I guess I mentioned all 66 teams, non-Power 5 teams today. Uh, but thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me, Colin. We are less than a week away from live college football. I can't wait. Thank you for listening again. If you haven't already, please rate us, leave a review. It really helps. Subscribe, unsubscribe. You know the drill. We'll catch you all later in the week. Cheers. Peace out.